Can you hear me? Hey. Yeah, we can hear you. Yikes. Welcome back to a heated gamer moment. You are the world champion! That was exciting. Hi, I'm your friendly neighbour host, Mr. Andre Harrison, and uh, yeah, we're still under lockdown. It's just, it fucking sucks. Um, <laughs> but Let here me we are. out! Let me out! No, you stay here, and you would, and you will do your full social distancing, Cam Buckley. <laughs> How are you, sir? Anyway, besides going slightly crazy. Um, you know, when one of your favourite drivers in all of motorsport just takes a Vespa. 150 TAP anti-material bike to their career. It hurts, you know? I can only imagine, and I'm sure we'll get to the very nasty incident that happened on iRacing very, very soon. Um, with me again, as always, is Mr. RJ O'Connell. Hello, sir. Howdy. Um, in oval racing, the key to going fast and winning the race is to having a car that goes... That goes left very, very quickly. Now, this means that the car may be uncomfortable to drive in some places, but you have the fastest car, and ideally you're set to win. I wish most of our political parties knew the same thing instead of trying to make a car that was set up to handle neutrally that's, well, maybe going to finish in the top 20, but it's not going to win anything. I don't know. Just a thought. <laughs> very true. And we have Ryan King of us as well. Hello, sir. Yes, I, I like uh, just sheer chaos when it comes to setting up a car. Ideally, the start of last weekend's IndyCar iRacing Challenge is preferable. <laughs> um, <laughs> there was a great tweet about that from David Land that said, How many laps of all this turns into the 1996 US 500? To which, I re- to which I retweeted him and put with the answer that was actually factually accurate of zero. <laughs> <laughs> didn't even make the start, which was my experience on iRacing over the weekend. It's it's most of your iRacing experiences, King. Whoa, whoa, whoa I've won races on the surface, sir. I never said it was your fault that the artifacts kept coming out. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly not Ryan King's fault that uh, that the entire pit lane at Michigan Raceway seems to be drenched in ice, motor oil, uh, banana peels. All sorts of fun stuff. Apparently there was a blue shell that was flying overhead. Yeah, clearly um, uh, clearly someone lost a 2012 Lotus engine in the pit lane. Didn't clean up the oil. Of course. It was one of them things. Sorry, right. John Alacy. Yeah, of course. Okay. Quick explanation of what's going to go down here, because we've uh, decided to do a little bit of, uh, as Jay Hunter would say, splicey splicey here. So here's, how, here's what's going to happen. We were going to call one great big lump of audio. What's going to happen is, this episode you're going to be listening to now is going to be a news edition. We're going to take all the news from this episode and all the the news from our last episode from two weeks ago. So that's April 1st at the time of recording. Mm -hmm. And we're going to cram them both together into one big news special. We're going to call it something like the news of April. Something regarding Kyle Larson. There's There's a witty title at the front. And we'll slap that out and release that to you. Our two watch parties, because people have been asking me about this... Philip Island 2015, which is our MotoGP special, and the next watch party, which, will, which I'll tell you about very shortly, 
are going to be standalone episodes for your enjoyment. Got it? Good. So, look at it this way. You're getting three prepared episodes instead of two. What's not to love? So, it's, it's like, we're just giving you more value. And who doesn't love more value? Okay, places you can find us real quick. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. And if you'd like to follow our personal handles, you can at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, at CBuckley917, and at RJ O'Connell. And if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. $5 gets you early access to all of our shows. $10 gets you in the supporters club of our Discord server where you can listen to these episodes live as they go out. Fun times for all involved. Shout out to, we've got a big, busy, busy chat down here as well tonight. We've got uh, Rezzy in here. I'll we'll talk to about something that he put up on the website very, very briefly um, in, in just a second. We've we'll we got Toki in here, we've got Oliver, and we've got Joseph in here as well. Hope you guys... Oh, Vince here as well. Just missed you there. Sorry, buddy. Um, hope you guys enjoy the show and enjoy the watch party, which will be coming up live on Discord in the next mm, probably half hour or so. So uh, enjoy that, and I hope you guys enjoy the show. And uh, you can find all of those details and much more on our website, motorsport101.com, which includes... A special put up by one of our Patreon backers for the first time ever. Rezzy put up a brilliant post. Um, it, it, I mean, well, well, this is a beautiful segue into the news anyway. But uh, he put up a great blog about, well, let's just say the quarantine's gotten to us all. Um, our, our Discord um, got somewhat infatuated to a unique, and I use the term loosely here, speed run in inverted commas of one of the most legendary racing games of all time. I'm, of course, talking about Gran Turismo 4, um, the legendary racing game from 2004, just celebrated its 15th anniversary. Um, and, whew, uh, a team of four gamers did a combined 100% speedrun of this game. That's 100% completion of a game that has... I think something in the region of 800-plus races in it. Three uh, full 24-hour races that you cannot suspend and you cannot speed up. And no B-spec either, because the game does indeed have a B-spec mode where the computer can drive for you. There is, like, B-spec 100% records out there. There's B-specs, like, um, speedruns that you can actually do the game and see a credit screen in less than four hours now. But this was a 100% unskippable endurance speed run megaphone which like i said involved three hundred three twenty that's three 24 hour endurance races in there multiple other massively long endurance races there's a really old 1000 mile relay race in there as well which you have to use really goddamn slow cars for as well so there is a whole heap of massively long and difficult events in it and this team of four completed the whole thing in 200 and 30 hours, 35 minutes, and 51.19 seconds. Um, so, 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 let's say a big shout out to Tyler, aka the book 92, Paul, aka another car guy, Jonah, aka Feathers 51564, and Sean at Shenny the G. Three of which of this team had never played Gran Turismo 4 until they practiced this game the week before they actually attempted this speed run. It is mental. The full post is on the website if you want to see it. Uh, it includes some very funny highlights as well, including the near misses on the infamous Driving Mission 34 as well. 
anyone that knows Gran Turismo 4 knows exactly what I'm talking about. Mission 34 and trying to beat a Mercedes 300 SL around the lap of the Nürburgring in an SLR where you've got a two-minute deficit to make up. Um, it is the hardest mission, maybe not just in this game, but in almost any Gran Turismo that has come out um, before or after. Um, there is some great stuff in there. A salute to all four of those dudes. I do not know how you did that. And, you know, it, the fact it took them literally nine and a half days to do it. Resi put a great post on it on our website, motorsport101.com. Check it out if you haven't already. People have also been asking me briefly about the situation with my writing project, The Kick, um, or to give it its full official name now, The Kick, How MotoGP Shook the World. It is a full written project by your boy, a.k.a. me. Um, look, this quarantine's done crazy things to me, <laughs> okay? <laughs> I've sat down and written a 27,000-word piece um on you were doing awesome with that by the way i uh, <laughs> i don't even know how i've gotten to this point so, like I've, I've gone to the brink of insanity and back again writing this i had to i rewrote two entire chapters of this in a in an angry rage at one point um but uh yeah it is it is crazy we're all doing mad projects and shit in the middle of this downtime this has been like four years in the making for me it's a massive 54-plus page, almost book-length piece on... It, it is a, it's a small book. It, it is a small book. I mean, I think I think um, a friend of the show, Joss Wilcock, he's, in his book, The Autobiomelli, the brilliant piece on Bruno Giacomelli, um, once you put it down into like a PDF that's like book size, it's something like 100-plus pages. So um, it depends on how big the book's going to be and whatnot. It is something that I'm considering putting on Amazon. I've not talked about it in depth very much, but um, it is a it is a full sort of like retrospective on what made the golden era of MotoGP what it was. Um, it's a lot on the I'd argue the five most important races of the last twenty years: Valentino Rossi, um, Jorge Lorenzo, Mark Marquez, Casey Stoner, and Danny Pedrosa. The, what we now really call the aliens of MotoGP over the last 15-20 years. Um, retrospectives on their careers and their key moments. Um, there's a whole bunch of John Boy-style tangents in there, like the 2006 season, which was absolutely mental, um, that no one talks about. A history of flag-to-flag -flag races, the rise of Mark Marquez... Um, Danny Pedrosa, Jorge Lorenzo, and how Lorenzo very nearly quit quit bike riding after his first season. Yeah, there's a little story in there about that too. Um, and a full review of the 2015 season that led up to, well, you know what happened at Sepang, right? <laughs> we, we, no one doesn't. Roll credits. <clears throat> uh, arguably the most iconic and uh, land-shaking moment in the sport's history. Um, and the, there's, a, there's a full retrospective on that as well. There's a whole bunch of tangents in there. I'm very proud of it. I've reread it and I've like edited two. I think I think it's the third draft I've got now in front of me. Um, it's pretty much done, is what I would say. Um, I'm waiting on two things. I'll tell you now. Um, I've not said I've not said this to anybody yet. There will be a foreword in there by my old 
Bike Live Radio husband, Mr. Lewis Sudderby, um, in there as well. And hopefully, friend of the show, Hayley Mulcahy, will be producing the front cover as well. So once those two things are done, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put an early access version of it on Patreon for everyone. Um, and what I'm going to do is I'm also going to put it on Gumroad. I'm going to make it pay what you want, basically. Um, I don't want to make any any money on this. Uh, this is not a financial motivation for me at all. Um, but if anybody does choose to pay for it, um, all proceeds will go to the NHS. So uh, we're giving back to the doctors that are trying to save so many people in the United Kingdom right now. We're still in an, at time of recording an awful situation where over 700 people are dying every day in this country of COVID-19. And... Um, the NHS on the, is on the front line trying to save so many lives right now. Um, so anything that, that, that this book makes will go straight to them as far as I'm concerned. So look, if, 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 I'm on, if I'm in downtime right now on lockdown, the least I can do is do something to raise a bit of money um, to help the doctors that are keeping this country running and all the key workers out there that are working so hard to keep to keep the whole place afloat as far as I'm concerned. So hopefully in the next week or so, I'll have a finished product. Fingers crossed. I can't give you a guaranteed date just yet, but that is coming soon. That that shameless plug took way too long. RJ, plug your latest piece as Uh, well, please, because it's unfair. Yeah. Um, So on Daily Sports Car, you may have seen recently that I completed a two-part biography of a gentleman by the name of Sachio Fukuzawa. He was one of Toyota's first factory racing drivers, and perhaps many people know him as being one of the people that died testing the legendary yet infamous Toyota 7 race car. A car that was also in Gran Turismo 4 in its ultimate form, the Toyota 7 Turbo. Um, But Sachio was much more than just a driver who died way too young. He was... In a time where racing drivers weren't yet superstars, especially in Japan where racing was so brand new, he was probably one of the first drivers who had that star appeal. Not just as a driver, and a very damn good one, but also as a fashion icon. He designed his own clothes, he was a male model. He was one of the most recognizable drivers in the sport who came from... Not so much humble origins, but he did have a tumultuous upbringing, and he had to make a lot of sacrifices to make his career happen. So I published this on Daily Sports Car. I actually was very privileged to interview Mr. Hiroshi Fushida, who was one of uh, one of Sachio's teammates during the time in the late 60s. Um, my main motivation is that his story was incredible. He really fuses... Uh, his story is kind of like that of... You know, people like Ken Miles, who you may know as one of the principal characters in Ford vs. Ferrari, or Le Mans 66, depending on where you're sitting. Um, Much like Francois Severe, much like Jim Clark, but also someone who is like Steve McQueen or Paul Newman in some regards. And if one person picks up this and recognizes how incredible his journey was and the talent that we had lost in 1969 over 50 years ago then i'll have felt very proud knowing that this driver's story will never die so check it out it's on dailysportscar.com 
You can look for it there. Um, I didn't want to make any money off of this. If I did make anything, I would have found a charitable cause to donate to. I just really wanted to share that story with the world. And I'm done with my plug. Has anybody else got anything more to plug in the in the, in the meantime? <laughs> While we're here, <laughs> oh dear. But um, no, glad we got that all out there. Um, thank you all very much for that. Um, yeah, that just about do it. Like I said, all the details on on everything. Don't worry, the kick will also be on the M101 website. I'm probably going to do it chapter by chapter. I might drip feed you a release. It'll actually be a bit more fun to put it out there with actual pictures and audio video clips and all that fun stuff. So I'm probably going to do that as well at some point. We're going to begin by starting with the news segment that we recorded on April 1st, 2020, which is, of course, National Don't Believe Anything That You Read on the Internet Day. Uh, very appropriate of all days. This is when the Iannone uh, verdict and sentencing comes down. Life is funny like that. Anyway, enjoy. We got some news to talk about. Yes. Not a whole lot, of course, um, because uh, as you may well know, anything sporting is, uh, well, on hold. Um, that includes the Indianapolis 500. We were waiting, no! we were waiting, and we now have the month of August, as well yeah. as a NASCAR IndyCar doubleheader with the Grand Prix of Indy taking place the same as the NASCAR's major Brickyard 400. Give a couple, on the 4th of July give, give a couple of guys can maybe considering their options of possibly doing the double. Uh, Jimmy, 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 Jimmy. Yeah. Uh, yeah Tony Stewart. Um, Tony Stewart. <laughs> yes. I love that. And yeah, Day of Classics Pensky is dead. He has a car available. Day of Classics is dead for now. Indeed. All right. Just to, just to get a quick rundown of the provisional rearranged schedule, of course. This is all subject to change. We don't know how long this virus is going to stick around for. So take it with a pinch of salt. But hopefully. It will end up playing out like this. The season will now start on Texas for the Texas 600 there on June 6th. Two weeks after that, we go back to Road America on June 21st. Richmond a week, six days later, um, the following Saturday on June 27th. Um, Indianapolis' road course event has now been moved to July the 4th, Independence Day weekend. That should be fun. Um, that's now... Next to Toronto on July 12th. Yeah, three races in three weeks. It's going to be wild. Toronto, although that one, i got a bad feeling, might already be changing because Toronto announced yesterday all public events are off the table till June 30th. So that's going to be right in the ballpark of when that zone opens up. Hopefully we'll be better off by then. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Um, six days after that, we head to Iowa for some corn on July 18th. And an IndyCar race. After that, the month of August, I guess, now begins. Um, August 9th, Mid-Ohio on that one for their, their sports class course for that race. Then, Indy 500 qualifying will be on the weekend of the 15th and the 16th of August. Hey, I turned 28 the day afterwards. Oh, God, I'm getting old. The week after that, August 23rd, the Indianapolis 500. Please, dear God, fingers crossed. Oh, God, please. Yeah. And uh, that's going to be a worry because, of course, the hotter the weather at Indianapolis, generally the worse the cars race, and that's going to be the hottest month. Ugh, yeah, well, hopefully 
even if we do get a race, hopefully we'll get a competitive one on, on top of that as well. Here's hoping. Again, this is all up for change. Um, after that, the week afterwards, August 30th, we'll be heading to Gateway for their, in, for their oval race as well. September 13th, Portland is back on the calendar. And then the week after that, the season finale, and I say that in inverted commas for a second in a minute, this last race will be on September 20th at Laguna Seca, maybe. It, there is a, t a TBA in there. They're still trying to figure out where they can put St. Petersburg on this calendar. So they might slot it in somewhere. I suspect it. I reckon it will be probably somewhere between Iowa and Mid-Ohio. That end of July, maybe early August block. That seems to be the most sense from where I'm looking at this calendar. Could be maybe early September as well. We'll have to wait and see. No guarantees, no promises, of course. Well, um, as it stands, 14 races, I'll make that, King? Yep, 14 races. Mm. And though, as it stands, the one guarantee that there will be this season, wherever and whenever the season finale will be held, it will not be for double points. The Indianapolis Hallelujah. 500, The Indianapolis 500 will still be double points, but the season finale will not. The Church of Dre is back. God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. We we here at the Motorsport 101 podcast don't support double points. Though, due to the uh, shortened calendar and uh, how late the Indianapolis 500 is in the season, it is highly likely that the winner of the Indianapolis 500 will be the series champion by default. <sighs> I mean, yeah. Needs must, I suppose, isn't it? There. Also, how it was in the USAC days. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, a long, long time ago. Also, what do you mean, long time ago calendar. in the '90s when, like, the Gold Crown Championship was just the 500. Look, in the the 1990s was a long time ago for American <laughs> yeah. open wheel February racing. February 2020 was a long time ago. Also, in yeah. this calendar, uh, no Long Beach, no Coda, no Barber. I'm not upset about it. I'm not upset about it. Uh, Cam, uh, we might have our revamped F1 regs delayed till 2023, but that's not the most provocative thing said by an employee of Red Bull Racing this week. Uh -oh. oh. Oh, why? <laughs> oh, 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 Ma Corona. Who let him open his mouth? Helmut Marco. Oh. Of all the things he said, this might be the dumbest thing he's ever said. No, no, actually it is. That takes it's some doing as well, said. by the way. <laughs> yeah. Helmut Marko suggested, in the course of the past couple days, he suggested within Red Bull that they have a quote-unquote corona camp <laughs> to deliberately infect their drivers with COVID-19 so that they build up immunity. Oh Who's ready for spring break? <laughs> and to, and now, I, and now I say this. You know, Helmut Marco lost his eye in the 1972 French Grand Prix. I'm curious to know when he lost his mind, too. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. Oh, he's been reading too many... He's, he's been reading too many... I was like, he's been reading too many herd immunity textbooks, hasn't he? God. That's not how her immunity <laughs> yeah. works, I don't think. Ex exactly, because he's lost his mind. <sighs> Today, playing the role of Helmut Marco, William Story. Uh. Nah, nah, I think this is worse than anything William Story said, and that takes some doing, as Dre said. I mean, 
And, and then Christian Horner had to come out afterward and said, oh, this wasn't serious. Of course it is. It, it, Helmut no, Marco does not. I, I think people take it. It's just a joke, People bro. have been twisting Christian Horner's words. He didn't say that he, that Helmut Marco didn't say it seriously. He said that Red Bull didn't take it seriously. <laughs> yeah, oh, apparently those within, those within Red Bull just kind of looked at him and Are said. Are you crazy? <laughs> what? The, the, what? This is the worst episode of Ninja Warrior I could imagine. <laughs> Fucking Helmet Marcos cut like, Corona can. Imagine, like, if you're Sergio Sete Camera or Igor Fraga, when you sign that contract to join, like, the Red Bull Junior team, like, three months in, they're like, hey, we want you to contract this deadly strain of a virus. It's part of the plan. We'll make sure you never get it again. <laughs> Oh my fucking god. And he fought the wolves. No. Chicken pox parties come to Formula One. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it really is like something out of South Park, isn't it? Um, but but on a much more serious note, when do we start to realize that maybe Helmet Marco's shrewd eye for talent isn't worth all this other bullshit? His only eye. The thing, I mean... The thing is that... Unf- his quote is. I have his quote here. These are all strong young men in really good health. That way they would be prepared whenever the action starts. <laughs> and you could be ready for what will probably be a very tough championship. Like, I I don't think Red Bull are going to do anything. Helmut Marcos literally, Why like, quote-unquote, one of the boys. They're not, they're not getting rid of him. Yeah, Marcos said to, about how this idea was received. Let's put it this way. It has not been well received. I'm sure Yas Verstappen wanted to punch him in the face. Yeah. Not a new thing for Yas Verstappen. Oh. <laughs> uh, King, as our resident... What's for stopping him? Get in the bin. King, as our resident esports athlete, um, what did you make of all of our recent Fortnite and uh, esports events? Interesting, considering that, hey, you know, there wasn't a Grand Prix initially scheduled for this weekend, so Veloce couldn't continue the not the insert Grand Prix here series, so they decided to create a new pro series. And not only that, but ditch F1 2019 altogether and move over to iRacing. Finally, an improvement. Ah, uh, uh, yes, iRacing with the ultimate Formula One car, the 2015 McLaren <laughs> Honda MP430. With the ultimate F1 car, the Holden Commodore V8 supercar, Lando Norris drove to the win in the first race and then from 10th to 2nd in the second race. Also, uh, Lando's going to shave his head at some point this week. Uh, yes, and on the other Norris. side of yeah. the European esports civil war, uh, the Redacted decided to add a Legends event to their uh, slate of esports races. And I'm sorry, did you just call, did you, did you, did you just call them the Redacted? Yes. I love yeah. that. <laughs> One! One, Montoya, you made it one corner! You had the pole position, man! Yeah, uh, Juan Pablo Montoya got overtaken at the start and decided, hey, I'm going to take out not only the dude who passed me, but, like, three other cars, too. Although, this did give us the opportunity to see Dario Franchitti winning for the first time since the 2012 Indy yep. 500. Dario took the lead after that first corner action and did not look back. Yep, went on to win. Yeah, he, was, he was on a... It was on a nice weekend drive after that. 
What other stuff happened? Uh, golfer Ian Poulter is into the sim racing stuff and is here to flaunt all of his riches on camera. Again, still casually flexing those Ferraris in the back of the garage. What a prick. <laughs> uh, NASCAR journeyman Timmy Hill uh, won the latest eNASCAR event from from his computer desk Timmy in his home. Timmy! And Matt Benedetto raced with no pants on. <laughs> Yeah, love that. That's just the ultimate. That's the ultimate work from home experience. Also, Chris, did you ever imagine that the first winner of a sanctioned IndyCar Series event in 2020 would be the homeboy? He's back. SK Money. Back. I have to say, while that's all well and good, um, Scotty McLaughlin's IndyCar debut did not go well for him or his team. So, so. Al Raskew's never driving for Pansky in his life, right? <laughs> My man took out everybody. All of them. He made sure. I was like, I'm, take, I'm taking now all of Pensky with me. All of them in one fell Penske swoop. Hasn't had a, Penske hasn't had a day this bad since the 1995 Indianapolis 500 <laughs> oh qualifying set. Oh. All they had to do was soften up the front Randy Roll Bar and they would have been golden. Yeah. Turns out, in shocking news, the CY Racing regulars Sage Karam and Felix Rosenquist dominated proceedings, but the homeboy... Wins in IndyCar. I've had to wait three years to say though, this. Though, though, <laughs> with a couple minutes to go, it didn't look all but certain if you were watching from Sage's onboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> Phoenix was reading him in right at the end, but so I ran out of ran out of road. Oh, and then also somebody spun right in front of him and almost took him <laughs> out from Kyle the lead. Kirkwood. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, yeah, there Kirkwood was also debut. Uh, not so good either. <laughs> yeah, there was also the guy that went flying in front of Connor Daly on his stream. Oh god, yeah. There's yeah. a car and it is we, flying. We, I've yet to identify who that was flying through the air. I want to say that was uh, whoever was in the 14 car board, eh? I think. Larry Gunselman. No, wait, that's an end joke from another podcast. Damn it. Seba- Sebastian Bourdais' debut with AJ Foyt is going even worse than expected. Oh, damn. <laughs> Soaring to new heights in upstate New York. <laughs> yikes. Big yikes. Um, and. And of course, uh, as this is also relevant to the race we're going to uh, to be commentating on, what if its protagonist finally got his 18-month oh, drug ban? Dirty Ian. Dirty Ian, pissed hot, and we have a confirmed 18-month ban. However, yeah. big however, however, Dre. It's not 18. There's it, not 18. Yes. There's a big however. Because of how this ban works, it's not 18 months from now. It's 18 months from his failed drug Meaning test. that Andrea can yeah. come back June 2021. Yeah, I, I wouldn't read too much into that unless there's another... Cover your, cover your ears here, King. Unless there's another Johan Zarco-esque contract dispute, <laughs> I somehow doubt anyone's going to give Ian only a contract mid, midway through 2021, especially when that's going to be another silly season year because a lot of the field are on two-year contracts and that'll be the final year of those contracts in 2021 i suspect maybe a midfield level world superbike team might take a punt on him but he'll be 33 by then by the time we get to the start of 2020 considering how the rest of this year is structured to play out for moto gp it's not out of the imagination that a couple riders won't be around for 2021 
It's true. Yeah. There's a lot of races going now, and, you know, it's a, it's a very congested schedule. They're talking about possibly racing in January 2021 to finish the season we've got right now. I would say in response to that, you're going to have a legal nightmare because most riders' contracts expire on December 31st. So, uh... That could be that could be sketchy, to say the least. Um, but yeah, yeah. Ian Ian Oney is by the record he is appealing this. He's going to take this to the court of arbitration for sports. Um, Ian Oney is trying to claim a moral victory because he because he he was saying ha ha I was right all along. And the reason he says that is because it well the the findings proved that he kind of took it by accident. He, there was no proof that he did it on purpose. Ian Oney's yeah, all... Yeah, and Aprilia are backing him. Yeah, Aprilia are backing him all the way. Um, they've backed him to take the case to this to this CAS, Court of Operation of Sport, and uh, go through that whenever it comes around. Spoiler alert, it won't be for a while, given that uh, that court is currently closed, and they've still got the Man City case to go through first. Have fun with that. But in the meantime, yeah, it, like Ian Oney, the suspension, as I mentioned, is from is backdated to December of 2019. So it's until June 2021. It's, it's a reduced sentence because of the fact that uh, the FIM did genuinely believe he took it by accident. This was going to be a four-year ban. They've turned it into an 18-month ban because it's like, as I mentioned it in, the, in this Discord earlier, it's a bit like the MMA tainted supplement excuse that a lot of fighters come out with as to why they've pissed hot on a drug test you know look i took this supplement and this this stuff i didn't know this stuff had this stuff in it please forgive me and they might and they'll get a lesson sentence it happens in mma all the time it's a it's probably quite similar here as well i still think this is probably going to be the end of Ianoni as a top tier factory rider at least in moto gp which is a real shame because the man is talented no doubt about that but He's yeah. been a chronic waste of that's said talent kind of the for the last half decade. The, uh, that's kind of the theme of lots of talent and constantly throwing it away mm. with Andrea. That's it's been that's that's been the story of his of, of the second half of his career certainly, and it's one that is frustrating. Burning bridges, basically being a bad teammate, throwing teammates under the bus, being difficult to work with, and taking out your teammate on the brink of getting a Ducati seat that would have altered MotoGP history because Ducati were probably going to let Dovi go at the end of 2016 until Ianoni took him out in Argentina. Oh, could you imagine how the landscape of MotoGP changes if the, if, if Ducati went with Ianoni over Dovi? That's a fun what-if story right there. Um, but yeah, Ianoni, 18-month suspension. If we do see him race, it probably won't be until 2022. Also, Cam, tell us how excited you are about Porsche maybe coming back to the premier class of endurance racing when this all kicks off. <sighs> yep, Porsche said they might enter LMDH, folks. You heard it here, folks. Yep, um, their uh, boss of Factory Motorsport talked about it, I believe, two days ago. And um, they already ruled out joining Hypercar for budgetary reasons, as have, you know, pretty much everyone else but Toyota and Scuderia Glickenhaus. Yeah, remember Scuderia Glickenhaus? Oh yeah, I know Scuderia Glickenhaus. Like they're basically doing more to help uh, the the medical sector in New England than like most of New England's governments. But that's besides the point. All of New England's governments, Jesus Christ. But yeah, um, and the good news here is that, and this is speaking in spite of the fact that Porsche basically is their own motorsport division. But it's the board of directors that are telling the motorsport division to look into this. 
Which probably means they have a budget set aside. They just want to be sure of the merits of LMDH before they join. Of course, LMDH, we were going to get the final regulations during Super Sabring, but of course, Super Sabring is no longer super. Though, from like in the articles that I've read about the situation, <laughs> it made it seem like uh, the regulations were literally not finished yet. Uh, that's unclear at the moment because, of course, everyone at the FIA and at IMSA is currently working from home. So we'll get the regulations when we get them. And also, for those of you who have been keeping up, pretty much every big racing team and automotive factory have now started and are well aware we're shifting their efforts to building medical supplies to help out during the wonderful and extraordinary times that we live in that we're already sick and tired of living in. Yeah, um, of particular note, Mercedes have already finalized a ventilator design and it's already being produced. Mercedes getting to the line first. Huh, where have I heard this before? Yep, that um, McLaren building a ventilator for healthcare workers and just a lot of great work by... You know, the manufacturing arms of these F1 teams to help what is a very awful situation. Indeed. Project oh, Pit yeah. Lane has been called, and I'm sure you'll be seeing more of these stories drop from these F1 teams in the coming weeks, of course. Great to see that uh, all their resources are being put towards a very worthwhile cause. Well. Indeed. Yep. Also, uh, more news regarding Formula One. Uh, the power unit manufacturers will also have to observe a three-week shutdown. Yep. And DAS is banned for 2021, despite the fact that all teams will have to retain their monocoques yeah, for 2021. and mm. on questions on whether we'll return to racing or not, it's starting to, you know, become inevitable, inevitable that races in July are now in doubt, including the British Grand Prix. Yeah. Because Wimbledon, which was the week before, yes. just got cancelled as of a couple hours before recording. Sometime in April on whether the British Grand Prix will be run or not. Read the room, Silverstone. Read the fucking room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's confirmed the decision will be made this month, but as you said, read the fucking room. Look, they've got till the end of the month to make a call. They're gonna keep this yeah, alive as long as July they a long way out. It is a long way out, but apparently they have to be free. But they have to be prepared three months in advance. So, and and further, uh, further news with F one. All aero development of the now delayed, formerly twenty twenty one, now twenty twenty two cars is prohibited through this year, mm -hmm. and no tire testing this year. Kind of expected yeah. that one. Right. And uh, an optional one-day young driver test will replace the three-day test after whatever will be the finale of the season. Yeah, and Christian Horder alluded to they may even push these yeah. regs back to 2023. Which wouldn't surprise me at all. It's a huge architectural change to the cars, and teams are going to need time to get them right. Time, time and money. And pushing it back to 2023 time and would money. allow them enough time to maybe convince a new team to actually entering. Yeah! Good luck with that. <laughs> good one. On one hand, very good point. On the other hand, keep dreaming. In this sport, sustainability, new teams, right now, 
That's a great joke, King, really. I mean, geez. Uh, but no, you're absolutely right in that sense. Time and money is the most precious resources available here. The team, the sport is not in a particularly healthy state of play as it is, let alone this virus. And by the way, we're going, it look, it's looking like we're probably not going to be racing until August by the looks of it. Um, and to follow on from what King said about the British Grand Prix earlier, if Wimbledon, one of the three pillar stones of, of British sport, has been cancelled and will not be persp- will not be moved, and that goes into the middle of well, July. I, there is Wimbledon's no way they'll be a, a bit different, Grand Prix. considering mm. that it is you know pretty pretty much in the middle of Britain's largest city, and it's a two week event. It is a two week event compared to a three days event. So. But uh, yeah, again, it's it's one of those read the room situations. I think like like. If, if it's like Cheltenham all over again, they ran day four when everybody else around them was suspending themselves. They had eighty, like seventy thousand people in a horse racing event. Like I don't think anybody wants another PR disaster like that one again. So yeah, we'll have to wait and see how we go. Is that the new section done? I think it is. I think we covered everything. Sadly, we have had to come to terms in the last few days of the passing of a true F1 legend, generally considered by by pretty much everyone to be the greatest driver to have never won the Formula One World Championship, the great Sir Sterling Moss King, and uh, very sad news. We lost one of the good ones today, man. Yeah, I mean, he's he retired from public life what, I believe two years ago at this point, and he's, you know, had health problems. It, yeah, yeah, know. he retired uh, from public life in January, I think, 2018. So... Like, it it wasn't completely surprising, but again, it's it's always going to be yeah. cutting. And, um, I mean, you can just go down some of the, uh, some of the achievements of his career. He was one of the most extraordinary drivers to ever get behind the wheel of a racing car. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we, we could we could talk about this dude for a half an hour to an hour over some of the stories that he come out with. He, he was an incredible, charismatic boy wonder, but also just an incredible racing driver that raced alongside... You know the great Juan Fangio, to, just to name a few, just to name one of many, many legends he was up there with. Um, again, drove like I remember the Mini Millimilia. Yeah, well, he the, the he, 1955 yeah. <sighs> Where do you even start? An average speed of over yeah, 100 in miles an hour. 1955. In 1955, on public roads, driving the Mercedes 300 SLR Streamliner with Dennis Jenkinson. Good you Lord. think, like, maybe the most, because he is a driver notable for being, you know, a Formula One guy, but arguably his greatest victory wasn't even in a Formula One World Championship race. Yeah, and it's kind of telling everything he stepped into, he was equal best or the best in. Not to mention, he was a man of incredible sportsmanship. I mean, the, we all know the stories that, that Sterling didn't win a world title, but he effectively gave one up by 
tell by by sticking up for one of his rivals who was accused of driving the wrong way around the track. Uh, he definitely yeah, yeah. did, Dre. He definitely yeah, and- did. <laughs> I was given. I was giving it the technical term. <laughs> yeah, how, how's this for a statistic? Second place, Juan Manuel Fangio, thirty-two minutes <laughs> behind. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It is utterly ridiculous. And Sterling could have easily won a world title, but he yeah. stuck up for his competitors, even yeah. the ones that. And were of cheating. course, uh, <laughs> it is. was I believe. In position to win Le Mans 1955, driving for Mercedes, and obviously the events of Le Mans 1955 caused Mercedes to withdraw their cars, even even though they were winning. And I think the, his best result at Le Mans came the following year. He finished second overall, first in class. He was sec- He was second twice at Le Mans. He won Sebring in 1954. He won the 12 Hours of Reims, the Mill Miglia. He was on the podium at the Rally Monte Carlo. He had 15 career Formula One victories, finished runner-up in the championship four times in a row from 55 to 58, driving for four different manufacturers, Mercedes, Maserati, <laughs> Van Wall, and Cooper, including the, yes, the very first rear-engine Formula One car. Uh, then third, three times from 59, 60, and 61, which I would argue the 61 season had his two greatest F1 driving performances. There was the Monaco win, yep. and there was the German Grand Prix victory, and both times he had to hold off Ferrari's fleet of cars, Phil Hill, Richie Ginter, Wolfgang Von Trips, who could all easily outpace anybody else on the field, but somehow... Somehow, some way, Sterling was able to hold them all off on those two. Yeah, I mean, every time. Yeah, those are those new Ferrari. Yeah, they were the shark noses, uh, the one five six. But again, every time Sterling Moss stepped into a racing car, it didn't matter who he was driving for and what kind of car it was. He was extraordinary. He won the fifty seven Pescara Grand Prix by three minutes over Fangio's Maserati. Yep, and. You know, by 62, it was all over. At 32, he had a career-ending accident. Yeah, he um, was in, he was in a coma for a month and spent mo- much of that year paralyzed. And, of course, he did recover, but he had already called it quits by then. Understandable, given the uh, given the condition he was in and that hellacious crash at Goodwood. Um, one of the lucky ones, given that was the, that was the era where one crash... Could often be a last. Unfortunately, yeah. the nature of motorsport. Of course, but, uh, afterwards he started a great career in its own right in broadcasting as a color commentator for ABC for F1 and NASCAR. He did. It was a fantastic pundit as well. Yeah, a fantastic pundit. Eventually, did get back into driving and in historic events, and he was driving in historic events well into his eighties. Crazy, <laughs> man's, man's eighty plus, and he's getting yeah. He these only old, these these yeah. He only retired cars. from uh, I believe it was twenty eleven, where uh, he yes. finally retired from racing. Said that he uh, he had scared himself. Did he like fall down an elevator shaft? That's yeah. what caused this. Uh, no, that yeah. was uh, yeah that. That was a bit later. No, that on, was wasn't it? that was in 2000. Yeah, 2010, but that actually did not stop him. He said he had scared himself trying to qualify for the Le Mans Legends race in 2011. He was 81 years old. It's crazy. Oh, you got to tell the story about the time he got pulled over. Ah, uh, yes. 
The time he was on his motorcycle <laughs> on the motorway doing speeds that one would not consider legal. The policeman, yeah, the policeman pulls him over and yells at him, Who do you think you are? Sterling Moss? And then he pulled off his helmet. <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, obviously, tributes have been vast in the motorsport world. The one I picked out here is, is, is from current Sky Sports F1 commentator and pundit Martin Brundle. Uh, says, rest in peace, Sir Sterling Moss, a mighty racer and gentleman. He had a press-on style on the track and in life. Remarkable man, survived the most dangerous era of motorsport and died today, age 90. He had such great stories to tell, and it was a privilege to know him. A special word for Lady Susie Moss. She is such a bubbly and personable lady, and she has been the perfect wife and companion to Sterling. This past three years, she has entirely dedicated her life to caring for him through his illness. Um, he also mentioned as an extra side note, and this is something I think we can all relate to at the moment. He says, I called Murray W., of course, the great Murray Walker. He's, of course, very upset to have heard about Sterling. Murray and his wife Elizabeth have had some challenges too, but he was pin sharp as usual. Only have two older and wiser men who have guided my life around now, Murray and Jackie. Must call them more often. Look after your old ones, people. Seriously. Because um, you never know when they might not be here anymore. But uh, we're going to miss you, Sir Sterling. And uh, rest in peace from all of us here at Motorsport 101. I, I wish I was cutting to a brighter story here, but unfortunately... Which one do we uh, want to tackle? Um, well, how about, I how think, about I think we should tackle the Williams news first. Uh, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll go with that on this yeah. occasion. Um, in, 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 in brighter news, like I would normally say here, in inverted commas, trust me, this really isn't. Um, this actually went kind of under the radar. It went under the radar until, until it was it kind was of like, explained in further detail. And I think everyone yeah, co collectively I, I, opened I, I, their eyes like, oh, 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 this is bad. This is, yeah, it's... Yeah, unfortunately, due to clickbait culture of 2020, people didn't read beyond the headline just to really take in, take on board just how serious this is. And it was actually King on our Discord that was like, whoa. You know it's bad when King tags everyone yeah, in the Yeah, for those of you who aren't in our Discord, <laughs> he never um, does that. <laughs> the everyone tag is quite rare and only used in pretty extreme circumstances. Yeah, where it's like, like literal like emergencies. That's the only time it's ever used. Yeah, I I tell people to refrain from using it unless absolutely necessary, and this was a good reason because Williams are in even deeper financial trouble than we were making it sound. Um, this was a story that came through about three or four days ago, and it. it Long story short, Williams Racing has now pretty much mortgaged everything that it's got left. The land the factory is built on is now, has now well, been mortgaged. Even the equipment inside the, the factory. Quite literally, Williams yeah, exactly. mortgaged Williams. This is, uh, yeah, this is as they, they have, say, this, this is the last throw of the dice. They have mortgaged everything on the land, on the land and the land itself. And they have used the heritage cars in their museum. Over a hundred cars. Their, uh, historic car collection. Over a hundred of them. That's the collateral against the mortgage. So if this mortgage can't be repaid, 
the cars are collateral. If anyone's ever seen You Can't Pay Will Take It Away in the UK, you know exactly what I'm talking about here. Um, I, so, yeah. I should note how deceiving most headlines were where it kind of focuses on Williams, quote, securing re- refinancing following the sale of their engineering division. Which, which, yeah, that's what that is. A mortgage is kind of a refinance, but it's a, it's a damn risky one. Because yep. not everybody and, can pay this shit off. Yeah, and especially when, as we discussed, I believe, on last week's news section, if there's no TV, there's no TV money. If there's no exposure for sponsors, there's no sponsor money. If there's no engineering division, there's no engineering division contract money. Yep, because that, that probably would have been their saving grace, especially with the current times where they would have benefited a lot from that outside revenue from their advanced engineering division. But uh, that, that's gone. That is gone. Um, <sighs> it, like, it, we could go into a deep dive into what Zach Brown had to say on the matter last week. I mean, we missed it in in, in between that Williams have also furloughed a lot of their interim staff as well. Um, in the UK, that means the UK government is paying 80%. Yeah, and this is during a time when, for the most part, the team expenses will only be the salaries. Yeah. So the government is paying 80% of their salary bill right now. The drivers have volunteered to take a pay cut. Oh, not only have their drivers chosen to take a pay cut, but Williams has taken a loan from one of the driver's fathers. Nicholas Latifi's dad. Yeah, Yeah, Michael, isn't it? Yeah, Michael Latifi Latifi is... A man that owns 10% of McLaren's group, by the way. (laughs) No conflicts of interest here. Nope, not Um, whatsoever. Um... They've you know, taken it's, a loan off one of the driver's dads. This is bad. We've known for... It's been obvious for a long time that Williams have been in increasingly poor shape. Mm-hmm. This kind of sends the message. It makes it real that we're we're watching a Formula One team in its death throes right now. Yeah, they, they really can't plaster over the cracks with like, hey, we signed, you know, George Russell, or hey, we have a new title sponsor, Rocket, now. Like, this, they can't hide this, they can't repackage this, it's clearly bad. And it's going to suck if and when we do lose a team that, again, let's let's remind everybody, Second most winning his team in terms of drivers' championships and constructors' titles. This is a team that for so long defined Formula One. I mean, it it really feels like this is what it was like to see Lotus in the 90s. Yeah, this is, they're going the way of Team Lotus in the early 90s, and then of course collapsing in 1994 where... Yeah, it's not good. It's... It's the bleeding started, and it, they just can't stop it. Yeah, they need they need some income to come in and quickly. This again, this doubles down with what Zach Brown said. He was the first um, team boss to furlough his staff over at McLaren, but he's also been one of the main facilitators that have come out in public and told um, Andrew Benson at BBC F1. It was a very very good interview. I do have to say. I mean, I'm not I'm not normally one to praise Benson, but uh, I will on this occasion. It was an excellent piece. Um, you got some good sound bites out of Zach on this one, basically saying he reckoned four teams might go up if we don't have if we don't race pretty soon. Um, and they are they're in drastic talks to try and get this upcoming budget cap lowered even further. 
beyond the $175 million it's been laid out as at the moment. I think Zach wants it at about 100 instead. Um, um, and apparently it's an 80-20 split. Apparently, uh, and you could, and surprise, surprise, Red Bull and Ferrari don't want yeah, it. Yeah, didn't Ferrari um, say they wanted the budget caps to be different for each team? Which, spoiler... That was kind of but that was kind of clickbait in and of itself where okay. Ferrari said like yeah, like manufacturers and privateer teams, maybe one budget cap isn't the solution because different teams will have different expenses. Because which some is teams, true. But yeah, which is true. But that mean that that means they haven't read the regulations because in the regulations, of course they have the engine department has their own budget cap. So it doesn't matter. Well, they, no, they weren't talking about engines, but things like suspension, because of course some teams supply other teams suspension and parts like that. Things like how Haas kind of builds their car from a catalog of Ferrari parts. Racing yeah. point straight up bought the W10. Bottom line, Formula One's model is not sustainable. We could have told you this many times before then. We have told you this many times before. But now, yes. in the global pandemic, the extraordinary circumstances, registered trademark that we live in, registered copyright, um, it's even more. Yeah, and of now. course, uh, McLaren team boss Andreas Seidel said, you know, this was the final wake-up call. Because we're watching multiple F1 teams potentially disappear. And I mean, like, Seidel's talked about hoping to push the cap even farther down to probably mm -hmm. maybe 75 yeah. million. And of course, Andreas Seidel, who ran the Porsche LMP1 program, he saw the program and the series that he oversaw collapse under the weight of too much cost and an outside factor, thanks Volkswagen, throwing a wrench in the works. Defeat device. Is the word mm. Oh boy. It, it's not great. Again, I hope this is, as Seidel mentioned, the final wake up call for these teams to beat their heads together and figure out, um, lads, your sport is literally pissing money up the wall. <laughs> well, I like what Andreas Seidel said as well is that a hundred million's a good number. It's a good number to run the team, and you'd still have the fastest cars in the world, and you'd still be on the leading edge in terms of technology. Yeah, unfortunately, we're in a sport where the big factories are literally spending three times as much. Like, we're literally spending the budgets of space programs to race cars. Yeah, when when Ferrari and Mercedes are spending half a billion a year on their programs, it's not sustainable. Honestly, Mercedes could give their profit to the U.S. Postal Service, and that'd solve a lot of problems over here. Like, no kidding. If, if, if they gave their profits to NASA, NASA could probably be on Mars in five years. I don't know about you. I'd rather have somebody walk on Mars than see Mercs in F1. <laughs> Olympus, Olympus Mons Grand Prix. Olympus Mons Grand Prix. I'm down. We're going to the Firestar track from the original Wipeout. It all comes back to nice. the Wipeout series at some point. Because, because that reminds us of a more optimistic future that we had in mind for the future of motorsport instead of this shit <laughs> exactly oh dear um uh I, I i think i can put this off no longer yeah i myself and cam um we'll we'll let yeah, you yeah, we'll RJ, let y'all have the floor we're gonna we're gonna crack a cold one grab the deck chairs and watch this shit go down oh lord if you need oh. us just holler
it's it's not a good sign when people in the chat are immediately putting in capital letters roast him. Um, it's uh, uh, the next bullet point reads the self destruction of Kyle Larson. Now I'll provide some context. Um, there was a King, I believe it was a self organized like um, NASCAR race. Well, I, th- I think um, we need to take um, a step back. You know. Yeah, have a on. bit of a we'll rewind. Go, we'll go. So, sure, sure, like we'll go, we'll many other racing series, NASCAR has decided to move events online. And a lot of their drivers have really embraced this. Uh, some more than others. Considering two weeks ago at the official series event in Bristol, uh, one Bubba Wallace was really frustrated after being crashed out once using his quick repair and then crashed out again using his other quick repair. And guess what? Crashed out again out of quick repairs. Bubba's like, I'm done in this town. And uh, one of his sponsors, Blue Emu, was obviously, well, I would say obviously, they were upset by Bubba quitting the race and they quit Bubba. I, I think they were going as far as to sue him. Potentially, potentially, but I I don't think they actually go no. that far. No, but uh, they 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 were threatening to sue. There, with the quote, "We don't like we don't sponsor quitters," basically was what they were saying. And uh, yeah, we're going to take your sponsorship away, which is <clears throat> a wild point where we're talking about a virtual race now carrying real life implications. Remember that <laughs> it becomes important later. Um, so next but, weekend. Uh, Next weekend, uh, it's Easter weekend. It's traditionally one of the very few weekends that NASCAR has off, so they don't have an official serious race organized. Uh, one driver, Landon Castle, decides to organize his own race at a venue that NASCAR has never raced at, the disused oval at Autodromo Nacional Monza. <laughs> and... It is not just the normal lineup of NASCAR drivers. We have a star-studded field of 60-plus drivers. Everyone from IndyCar stars like Joseph Newgarden and Connor Daly to IMSA star, uh, IMSA star Jordan Taylor. Literally everyone in North American motorsport is either in this race or watching this race. Yes, including one Kyle Larson. Um, he is one of the more vocal guys on the voice chat option um, that everybody could hear. He he had his microphone set to public, so everyone that was in the lobby, as well as people in public, though we should could we listen. cycle back. He does he did have a recent history of heated gamer moments, including a temper tantrum yes. he threw through during one of USAC's sprint car races that were held on iRacing because he was he pretty much threw a temper tantrum because uh, of how the event was organized, uh, because uh, USAC's rival series, The World of Outlaws, which Kyle Larson is not only a driver, but also a team owner, uh, it's been alleged that The World of Outlaws have been rigging their sim racing events to fix the fields in a way that Kyle Larson and other real-life stars will have an advantage over the rest of the field. So, uh, yeah... This has already gone. Uh, Larson was one of the main guys that were that, uh, shall we say, got heated about this. Yes. So now, the main event, the the <laughs> the the apex of our story. During the middle of the event, 
someone has entered driver's chat, and it's one Kyle Larson who uttered the now curse phrase, Can you hear me? Hey. And the initial let's reaction. Just say, <laughs> the, let's, let's just say the word in question was the hard R version. Twice. Twice. He, he was not, you know, calling out to a friend. He was he was saying it in a derogatory way towards another person. We don't know. We we don't know who he was talking to. Quite frankly, it doesn't matter. Um The initial reaction I saw I saw Joseph stream Joseph Newgarden stream initially. He was he, he didn't say anything, but the look on his face, he he was shocked out of his mind. Yeah. But it's uh it wasn't great. Let, let's just say everybody who was streaming that race took their replays down. Yeah, some people have uh, some people have put it back up, but oh man, just the reply from who was it? I think it was Alfredo, the NASCAR driver. Uh, pretty much, he replied back, "Hey Kyle, everyone can hear you, bud." <laughs> Yeah. Followed by Connor Daly. <laughs> Real apropos of the situation. Just replies, yikes. <laughs> just yikes, which kind of said it all, really. Um, the chat was silent. Si- Everyone was silent for the next approximately 15 minutes. It's like, no, it's like no one quite knew how to react to this. And it's like, it's... It, the, the silence was deafening, um, shall we say. Um, overnight, the clip of the incident went viral on social media. By the time I personally had woken up the following morning, um, there was already multiple clips out there. Again, a 30-second clip of him, again, dropping the word twice. Yep. Um, within hours of that... Yeah, when America uh, woke up. Out, when America woke yep, up t- before that, it was the biggest sports story in America. ESPN led their morning talk show first take with first a story. Take. First take led with a NASCAR story. That will never happen again. Like Jesus Christ, um, it's it's not great. Um, it was awful. Um, by the time that first take was talking about this story, Chick Ganassi racing. Announced they were going to suspend Kyle without pay. NASCAR suspended him indefinitely. <laughs> yep, NASCAR suspended him indefinitely. Credit One Bank, one of his big sponsors, um, agreed with the suspension. And then, with a few hours later, they put out another statement saying, "We are no longer sponsoring him." Because their one McDonald's. key moment happened that that turned the table. McDonald's. McDonald's dropped him, and that's when it literally the sieve, the sieve sponsors just left yeah like they led the charge mcdonald's quit sponsoring him credit one bank withdrew their sponsorship of him um basic basically all his major sponsors that were listed on kyle's website including chevrolet lucas oil clover and they iRacing all... itself iRacing sponsored kyle larson they ended that deal and also suspended him from racing on iRacing yeah, our racing don't play. <laughs> we saw what happened with Scott Speed. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, you wanted to say something, Cam? 
Yeah. Um, and, and the sponsors, a few of the sponsors, but later we can infer pretty much all of them, made it very clear. They're not breaking off their contracts with Chip Ganassi Racing. They're breaking them off with Kyle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it- which then put Chip Ganassi in the position that even if by some insane chance they didn't file uh, fire Kyle Larson yeah, we're just over this because we didn't say it yet Chip Ganassi eventually terminated Kyle Larson's contract as did Chevrolet within hours of their initial statement yeah um they had no choice yeah they yeah, yeah no they choice. put it, you can't run a car without sponsors <laughs> no chance they, they they had no choice but to let him go Virtually every major sponsor he had, besides Plan B Sales, who sell the NASCAR diecasts, have dropped him. Yeah, it was pretty um, much the only sponsors he had left were pretty much his minor dirt track sponsors for his dirt track team. Yeah, dirt track and Plan B Sales, which, annoyingly, I found that tweet and statement saying they were keeping him on buried in Lando Norris's likes. Hmm. <clears throat> um, that's one for you fan. That's one for you fanboys and girls out there yeah. on Twitter to, to dissect. And, circ- um, and it- circling back on the whole dirt track scenario, World of Outlaws is not suspending him. He's under probation. The only requirement they have of him is him uh, pretty much taking sensitivity training within the next month. Pretty much. Pretty yeah, much. I mean, it's, it's a situation where... Uh, and also Finley Farms, who sponsors his dirt track racing career have tweeted their full support of him, which, uh, yeah. Now, we we didn't really get into this when we started this conversation, but for those who don't know who Kyle Larson is exactly, I... On the surface left, on the surface level, if you don't know anything about Kyle Larson and you just read like a quick one-page biography, you'd assume he'd be the last person to do this. Yeah, a third-generation Japanese American, who's correct me if I'm wrong. His grandparents were in the World War II American internment camps. Yes, they're in internment camps. Yes, yes. yeah, yeah, and was the the shining product of NASCAR's diversity program. Yes, he is considered mm-hmm. the most successful alumni of NASCAR's Drive for Diversity program. Yeah, as... That's your star graduate right there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and I think Marshall Pruitt hit the nail right on the head, is that after this, we, we don't know Kyle Larson. No, we don't. And that's... That's arguably the most disappointing part of all of this. Um, it's it's very disappointing. I knew beforehand that Larson was again a third generation, you know, ja- you know, da- Japanese family, um, you know, Japanese heritage in his bloodline, and you again, as King alluded to, um, what's the right way of me putting this? It's it's doubly disappointing because he's the last person you'd you'd ever expect to be dropping those sorts of racial slurs. And look, this is a broad statement, and I hope this hits a few bells for people that are listening. And I'm not gonna I'm not going to censor this word because we're grown adults here. Yeah. 
You don't drop the word nigger by accident. Yeah, that is... I'm going to make that absolutely 100% clear to everybody right now. That's not something you drop by accident. It's not PewDiePie. It's not something that's going to be on the tip of your tongue. If you are, are coming out in a heat of rage or just a joke that are using that word, which I wholeheartedly believe is the ugliest word in the English language... There is something wrong with you. You are racist. There is no possible defense to that. None and if I might whatsoever. say, yeah. the thing is, is the nonchalance with which he said it. Yeah, he, he, he didn't say this angry. He wasn't heated. He's was saying it, it was to be, yeah, it, it was to be edgy. Yeah, and like, it was a joke. I, I know we heavily implied it at the start of the segment. And for those who haven't listened to the show for a long time or haven't seen any of our live streams, yes, me and Dre are both black. <laughs> and really, how'd you guess? <laughs> hey, Dre, <laughs> some people it's not obvious. Yeah, to be fair, as as a as a British born, as a British born of Jamaican heritage, um, and trust me, you from a personal level. I cannot tell you the amount of times I've, people have been surprised when they've heard my voice and have thought that I was white. And the amount of times I've been told in working environments, oh, Dre, you don't sound like a typical black guy. And I always give them the same response. Well, what the hell did you think a typical black guy sounds like to you? Like, what stereotype went through your head when you made that stupid statement? Or other ones like, you're so well-spoken for a black guy. And I'm like, so what? Are you just going to assume I've got my pants around my ankles and speaking patois all the time? Is that it? it, it, it it's it's disgraceful. Yeah, and, and that's what, you know, the use of this word by Kyle Larson kind of reinforces. Yeah. And, like, was the punishment just? Of course. The people who are saying that this is way too over the top, this shouldn't happen to him. Yes, that is that, that is completely no. incorrect. This this punishment was completely just. Do I think he should be banned from racing forever? No. And do I think he's going to no. come back eventually? Of course he's going to come back eventually. Of course he will. Look, I've been telling people on the internet this for years. Sorry to cut your cam. But I've been saying this on the internet for years. Cancel culture doesn't really exist. People are going to take a punt on Larson because he is a decent driver. Well, he like, is, like, He is in terms of raw talent, he is top five maybe in NASCAR. He is a phenomenal driver. Trust but me, there, good there, are going, Lord. there are going to be people that are going to wait for the heat to die off and then they'll take a punt and try to sign him. Like, there is no doubt about that in my Just mind. look at Santino Ferrucci. Just look at the man who is grabbing other bike riders' brake levers. Yeah. Like, I, I, like Romano Fanati got banned effectively for six races for tr attempting to kill another rider. Yeah, and what I'm people also need to keep in that. mind. Yeah, yeah, attempted murder on a motorcycle. Like, but what people yeah. also tend to forget is that it is the, it's in the sponsor's best interests to protect their interests. And if they believe that Larson no longer represents the values of their company, it's within their rights to kick him out. So I, sh I should mention something that I, I was quite curious about, and I actually checked up the numbers for this. 
this all this all changed when McDonald's dropped him. And interesting enough, I went back, looked at the New York Stock Exchange ticker for McDonald's. And when the mm-hmm. stock market opened on Monday morning, they lost about 10% of their company's value. And it went back. Jesus! It went right back up the minute they announced they dropped Larson as a driver. Wow! So 10% of McDonald's value as a company got wiped out the moment Larson dropped that M-bomb. Yeah, the minute the markets opened on Monday morning, uh, their share price, okay, it was closer around like 5-ish percent. It went from pretty much $185 a share all the way down to $175 the minute the market opened. That's that's insane. So, you know, and, and, and that's, look, what arguably infuriates me most is that it's not just the fact that, you know, Larson has dropped this disgusting word and made it basically a joke, you know, like thinking he could get away with something like that. What disgusts me half as much is the culture of the amount of white people in the responses to these tweets trying to say oh it's okay buddy it's okay don't worry i believe in second chances and i'm like shut your fucking mouths yeah now's like, not the time to be talking about second chances he'll get his second chance eventually of course he will like i said he's far too talented not to we saw it with Santino Ferrucci. The man had a bit of money in his back pocket, ran back to America and got an IndyCar seat. I am more than clued in that the culture of motorsport, it takes an awful lot to get someone truly cancelled. It's virtually impossible in, in, in motorsport culture. Santino Ferrucci is walking proof of that. I don't want to hear a single white person come up to me and say to me, it's okay, I'm not offended by it. You've missed the entire point. It ain't about you. It is about the millions of African Americans that are rightfully angry and pissed off. Many of them fans of NASCAR themselves that have now got to deal with one of its biggest star names is an open racist. Like, and, and all of a sudden, oh, but it's okay. The white people just want to see him get in a race car and drive again. Yeah, and that's it's that's what I'm afraid bullshit. about. Because uh, there's been one big event that Kyle Larson's always hinted at that he wanted to do, but his team never allowed him to participate. And his team enters uh, three cars into this race every year. And, um... Mm. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Kyle Larson come back in IndyCar. 500 attempt? Hey, if they if they actually run it this year. If mm. uh, He's already That's been terminated if. by Ganassi. True. But, but another team you know. will get him. Yeah, of course they will. Like I said, he's, I've said it twice now. He's too good not to. Someone will take a punt on him and hope the backlash isn't too great. And unfortunately... And I don't like playing this stereotype game. We all know NASCAR has a lot of roots in the South. No, oh no, no! Feel free to play it because I think no, because this has and we've and we've seen the comments in the last few days yeah, about people that are trying to brush this off. Reexposed the same shitty base that NASCAR has been trying the, the image that they've been trying to shed. Yeah, and the fact it's that in home Alabama. Yeah, and the fact <laughs> is that it, yeah. it's an image that is no longer just associated with the South because 
They're across the country. And Kyle Larson's from Northern California. Jesus Christ. I didn't, I didn't know he was from NorCal. God. Yeah. Even and worse. This. <sighs> In a perfect world, I'd like to say this is the end of Kyle Larson, but it won't be. And like I, I'd yeah. be, f- I'd be my- fine with him coming back at some point in the future after he makes amends. I have yeah. nothing. I have little else to add. Um, I think one person that is owed a major apology after all of this, not just from what Kyle Larson said, but from a week of assassination attempts on his character after doing something that most e athletes have probably done in their streams is Bubba Wallace for being made to look like the worst person in esports for rage quitting event. I've done that several times. Uh, Look, how telling is it that we had a week where Bubba Wallace was endlessly ridiculed as unprofessional and deserves to lose more than just one sponsor because, oh, well, this is what we've got right now in the racing. The, the racing game has real-life consequences now that we don't have racing. And then people turn right the fuck around and say that Kyle Larson shouldn't be crucified for what he said in that same Absolutely video Absolutely no. NASCAR and all these teams, they're not public utilities. They're private businesses at the limit of their sponsors. And if their sponsors don't want to sponsor him, they have every right to drop him. It doesn't matter how yeah. conservative these team owners and yeah. race bosses are. If it if they don't get the sponsorship for it, there's no reason for him to be run. If you are no. bad for their business, you have no business being there. Yeah, but then you get into that situation that, you know, people talk about in college football, where we mainly see in college football, where they talk about the sport having a culture problem. And Cam hit the nail on the head exactly. The, just the fan reaction to what Bubba did versus the fan reaction to what Kyle did. I reckon a greater percentage of NASCAR fans on social media were more mad about Bubba Rage quitting a race than Kyle Larson calling someone a nigger. That is terrifying. That is astonishing and disgusting to see from a British guy across the pond who just so happens to be black. It's it's embarrassing. It embarrasses me as a black motorsport fan that I've got to still see this in the year of our Lord 2020. Jesus Christ, it makes me angry just thinking about it. I have have little else to add other than I'm very disappointed in Kyle Larson, who will go down because I, I doubt he may get a chance to race again, but it's never going to be with a top team. Not for well, a not long, only that, we talk long, uh, King. Long. I know you mentioned about uh, IndyCar. Chevrolet tore up that contract right in front of his face. He's not driving a Chevy powered IndyCar. Yeah, That's for damn sure. Yeah, and I highly doubt HPD want him. The greatest not waste yeah. of talent, maybe that NASCAR has ever seen. Even. I mean, he's not the first driver that's been fired for things that he's said or done away from the track. He is the. This is easily the most foolish. Yeah, it absolutely is, and he has nobody to blame for it but his own damn self. I'm sorry. Yeah, because like I, I can't think of a president for this in American racing, where usually when people get fired for saying something wrong, it's usually like saying something that offends a sponsor. It's nothing truly. You know, vulgar. This offended damn near everybody. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, you can, you can come back from pissing off sponsors. That's not a problem. <laughs> this is different. The, the reaction in the chat was so telling where everyone else in the chat was just sat there pretty much mouth agape. Yeah. Like, you got no friends here. You're on your own, man. Yeah. Yeah. It, like I said, the silence was deafening. I'm I'm going to move on from this segment very briefly, but all I will say is um, Larson's a disgrace. Um, I would be more than happy if I never saw him in a race car again. Unfortunately, the culture of motorsport and the nature of motorsport and... You know the fact that you know Larson isn't just a scrub; he is an incredibly talented racing driver. There's no doubt about that. Um, he will get another shot down the road. Um, I hope he doesn't. He probably will. I hope I'm proved wrong. I hope I'm proved wrong on that. Like probably I, I won't be. Like <laughs> I'd be fine with him coming back if he actually confronts the damage that he's done and tries to do better and actually help marginalized communities. Yeah, and I'm sorry, yeah, and I that's mean, going to be done with more than just a, sp- a mandated apology video that you had to film because you couldn't do anything but, you know, that. Yeah. And it, his, his apology video was... Uh, it was a 40-second video he put it, on It was pathetic. Account. The word was pathetic. It was... Well, to be fair, it could have been worse. He didn't say sorry if you were offended. <sighs> Fuck you, I know. Yikes. The, 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 the bar is basically about 16 feet below the Earth's surface. The at this bar point. is in the are. goddamn mantle. What is it? It is, uh, it's, it's, it is shit. It is, um, objectively shit. And I have one more message to say. If anyone in a comment section, um, of any NASCAR tweet talks about how it's not that bad or how I forgive Larson, particularly if you're white. You can't um, forgive him if you're white. Which, <laughs> which is which is funny enough to me as it is. Um, I would I will happily say this in response: When this lockdown is over, go back to your place of employment and call the first black person you see the N word with a hard R and see if you still have a job next week. Thanks for listening. In lighter Next. news from this event, <laughs> oh my god, something we, did come out of this. We have to talk about Jordan Taylor. Poor Jordan Taylor. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, now, for some context, we talked about the Monza Oval being disused because the Monza Oval, and this is modeled in I racing, was already falling apart in the 1960s. It makes the surface very bumpy. It makes it pretty much a one-line racetrack, and if you get off that line, you're going to have a very big crash at very high speed. But I didn't know that you could crash so hard in a sim racing game that you crash in real life. Yes, because that's what Jordan Taylor did. Jordan Taylor has a motion sim rig, and when he crashed, his entire rig shook so hard that it tipped over with him him inside it. (laughs) Amazing. For, for, oh my god, I think he hit the wall so hard he actually clipped through it and got stuck in, like, the physics, like, void yeah. beyond the wall. Yep. And, like... <laughs> because iRacing is <laughs> hashtag esports ready. Like, it literally damaged his sim rig. Like, he needed to overnight replacement parts to fix his rig. 
And somehow, still not the biggest train wreck of the evening. <laughs> not even, not even a drop in the bucket. And, and Vic, I, I, I Vic like in the, the chat. That, I like the fact that the rig is now so authentic; it literally destroyed itself. <laughs> it's like, well, he, he binned it. I'm just going to fall apart now, I suppose. <laughs> you know. Have you, have you actually seen the clip, Dre? I have not. No. Oh, oh we've got to share. We've got to share this. Hold on. Is it, is it time it. for another Dre's live reaction? Yeah. Ah, okay, you'll be focusing on the lower left-hand go. corner of the screen because that's Jordan okay. Taylor's face cam. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm about to watch it now. Press and play, and yes, he's on the oval. The whole thing is shaking. He's overtaken. It's still shaking a lot. And always tagged, yep, into the wall and Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing tips over. We weren't kidding. That's amazing. We weren't kidding. Oh my god. You guys weren't kidding. The whole thing really did tip on its side. Yep. <laughs> That's incredible! Again, he crashed so hard in a sim game, he crashed in real life. Immersion. See, this is the stuff that we want to talk about in this new this age of esports. This is esports ready! This is what we This is esports ready. Fuck any and all clips of Lando Norris shaving his head and talking about how terrible F1 2019 is. This Look. is what I want to see. I want to see a man destroy his own rig <laughs> via an incident at Monza's closed ovals. This is the esports that I want in my life. So Look, in this, in this unprecedented and terrifying era, we should be talking about stories that are fun and silly like this, and not about drivers dropping N-bombs. Well, I, I do have a sad update involving the motorsports calendar, because we're going to have to find a way to move oh, yeah. this series into esports, because... The French sidecar cross Grand Prix has been cancelled. Oh no! Now the Chevy two seventy five at Michigan. <laughs> no, no, actually, that isn't the only. That, that isn't the only cancellation that has come that, out as well. That, yeah. that was that. Yeah, that was that. That, that was RJ's uh, Dacia Sandero moment right there. But uh, yeah, no, um, like, as, as, as I'm sure Cam was alluding to. We've had some breaking news in the last 20 minutes or so on the, on the recording of that Carl Larson segment. First and foremost, Germany has now declared a public ban on all large-scale events until the end of August. Oh, which German all, Grand Prix God. Which all but guarantees the German Grand Prix will not be happening, and, that, and that'll be for Formula 1 and MotoGP at the Saxon ring, so Marquez is down a bank around. Good news for all the everyone else in the GP field. Um, no yeah, Saxon and, ring, most likely. Yep, yeah, and it appears that Belgium is in the same boat. No cultural and sporting events in Belgium until August 31st, which means that the Spa 6 hours, 24 hours, and the Belgian Grand Prix are all either cancelled or postponed. Wait, couldn't I, like, just push the Belgian Grand Prix, like, back just, like, one week? Maybe just do, like, a date swap with Italy? So I was gonna say, isn't it right at the end of August anyway? Yeah, it's August 30th. But oh, so come on! Before. <laughs> I, think, I think the problem is that this is probably not the last extension for that uh, True. ban on events. Yeah, the, the problem is going to be we've already had like eight rounds either postponed or cancelled. They gotta, they gotta cram this shit in somewhere. I mean, if Linda um, McMahon can flex people into thinking that WWE is an essential business, 
I'm sure the Belgian Grand Prix, or uh, I'm not even, no, they're they're not getting it in on the scheduled date. Uh, Back to the only racing series that matters. IndyCar. Virtual IndyCar. Yeah. There's all these other series, that's fine, but why is IndyCars the best? Well, for one, no fleeting expletives and racial slurs. Fingers crossed. But also, genuinely good stories. I think we should mention... The best part, above all of it, is Scotty McLaughlin socks. <laughs> that man. These are Shell V Power branded corporate socks, and they are oh, phenomenal. Wow. This man's sock game is above anyone else. Red and yeah, yellow Argyle socks. Game ready. Red and yellow Argyle <laughs> socks in the colors of his sponsor as he goes on to win the virtual round at Barber Motorsports Park, and just his second in. Oh yeah, no, they're not just. It's not just an Argyle pattern in the colors. It has shell logos in the pattern. Cam is infatuated with these fucking socks now, isn't he? Jesus Christ! <laughs> Look. Well, at least uh, I'm not. At least I'm not in a NASCAR comment section worshiping Haley Deegan's feet. Uh, Look, pedal, 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 pedal cams <laughs> on these streaming events are going to tell us a lot about people in these next few months to come. Oh yes. Back, no, back to the IndyCar but, uh, event. It, it, IndyCar was fun. We had a bit of a chaotic start this time around. They were racing in Michigan um, this time around. D- no, and Dre, would you like to define a chaotic start? Well, how about four, five, six cars losing it on yellow before the race had even started? You know, the uh, the anniversary of the split is coming up, and they decided they wanted to reenact the 96 US 500. I think it was Askew jumped the start and just all hell broke loose. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He, he we, jumped we the start s- and did the one thing you're not supposed to do when you jump the start. Get on the brakes. Because if you get on the brakes, everyone who saw you jump it, thought it was good to go, are now going to pile into the back of your car. Yeah, apparently half the field, according to Henry, got wrecked by this damn thing. After that... <laughs> including like, Dale! Virtu- <laughs> including Dale Jr. Dale! <laughs> Dale Jr., who, who, got, who got a special invitation to take part in this race in a beautiful number three car. Um, and uh, he would make his way up through the see? later on. You see? Junior wasn't done with the three. No. No, he wasn't. Clearly not. Good, you'll love to see it. Oh, bit of breaking news from Jenna Fryer as well. Well, we'll save that for later. We'll save that, we'll save that for a little bit. Um, we'll save that for a little bit. But uh, in the meantime, yeah, we've got the clip here again that uh, Henry's very kindly donated to us in the chat you can see i think at the back of the field here oh it's the side there you go there he is and the next thing you know there's like six seven eight cars that have been spun out <laughs> before and this is like five seconds before the race goes green the best part about this like version of the clip though is that they spliced it with the audio of the start of the 1996 united states 500 at michigan <laughs> oh dear god it even has Bob Varsha's commentary on it and speaking of people that were yeah, well, all soon, wishing Bob. well because damn the world cannot give this man a break yeah um about a what was it a week after he got out of chemo the chemo symptoms didn't go away he was tested and Bob Varsha has the Rona for fuck's sake man <sighs> we love you Bob get well soon 
Get well soon, Bob. We're all behind you, buddy. Um, Jesus Christ. Um, thankfully, after that initial disaster, the race was pretty much green all the way through um, after that one. Well, no, uh, we should talk about why it was green. Yeah, mostly because, one, it seemed, it seemed to come down that the stewards did, because this race was manual yellows, um, the stewards did not want to throw out a caution they for anything. They embraced the anything. chaos. They embraced yeah, the chaos. They really did. Especially, when we, especially when we had six, seven, eight cars spin out entering pit road. Well, and there, there was yeah. one time where there legitimately should have been a caution, when Joseph Newgarden tagged the wall. Joseph yeah. Newgarden was flipping and they didn't throw a caution. <laughs> Could you imagine he that happening in real the... life? Oh my god. I don't know. Lost Connor Daly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, Joseph uh, uh, Joseph Newgarden didn't have a good day. Yeah, it's 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 pretty wild. Um it's the, yeah, the stewards did not throw out a manual yellow for just checking my notes here, anything. Um <laughs> and because of the awkward timing of it all, it turned into a fuel mileage race. I mean, um, it was probably the best finale to any super speedway uh, race that I've seen in a long time. Because not only was it a fuel mileage race, but it was also a wheel-to-wheel race. Yeah, because yeah, it, Sa- it was power Sage versus Karam. Sage Karam all yeah. the way through pretty much till the end. Yeah, Sage Karam and Will Power went to war. It they was could wonderful. Not- they could not get more than like a tenth away from each other. It was they, they were side by side, overtakes galore every single lap without fail. We had a leading group of like seven or eight. We had a leading group of everybody. Felipe Nazar, who had yeah. never driven Novel competitively, was missing it up at the front. Nazar, who'd, who'd missed out and disconnected from the first two iRacing events that they were trying to get him in through, got into this one. And was actually really goddamn good. Felipe um, Nazar do Brazil is really good at race cars. And you're all only realizing this now. This has been yeah. sent by a Cadillac DPI fan. Yes, 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 it does. Um, so yeah, he killed it. Um, Graham Rahal was up there in the leading group at one point. Alex Palu was in the leading group at one point. Yeah! Like the problem with with uh, Power and Karim's uh, all out balls to the wall strategy was, uh, well, they weren't saving fuel and they had to stop a second time. Well, um, not only that, but some drivers throughout the field, like Simon Pagano and Dale Earnhardt Jr., they had pitted a few laps later for the first pit stop. And McLaughlin, Scott McLaughlin, who again never raced an. I think McLaughlin was on an offset strategy anyway, on account of you know flipping many times at the start. <laughs> It helps. <laughs> I didn't know they got. I didn't know they got Audi Sport Team Yost to fix all these Indy cars. Yeah, mm, it helps again. Re- virtual racing strictly better than real racing because where else are you going to come back from flipping several times to finish on the podium? <laughs> yeah, because Dale just picked his way up through the field because he didn't have to stop again while everyone else around him. Yeah, and that was despite having minor wing damage because Dale Jr. didn't take his fast repair after the early crash, worrying about a bigger uh, a bigger crash later in the event. Which is smart. Yeah, it's a smart strategy. Yeah, according to Henry, Dale ran out of fuel as he crossed the line. He was he, he was down to the gas on the pumps. But we should talk about coming to the line, the fuel strategy. It worked out that the leading trio was Simon Pagano, Scotty McLaughlin, and Dale! Dale! Dale Jr. finished on the podium. Penske, one, two, four. 
And my boy, father of Norman, Simon Pagino, now featuring a lumberjack beard, <laughs> won the race! I love how everybody <laughs> at Petsky just, Petsky Driver's just not giving a fuck about the clean-shaven mandate. <laughs> Clearly not. Everyone's got their everyone's got their own weird shit going on right now with their with, with facial fungus. Oh, especially Gray Hall. Oh, oh, it was God, funny. No, um, watching. Oh no, just just no. Let's move on, please, Gra- please, Gra- Graham, please move Graham's on. Please, beard no more. Like 1998 Michael Schumacher. I do no not more. mean that in a good so, way. Uh, apparently, according to Graham, that was literally the last resort in terms of facial hairstyling that his wife his wife Courtney Force would allow. <laughs> he was gonna go with the full beard, but it was real passionate. So she said, no, shave that. He was gonna go with the old Bobby Rahal goatee. She was like, no. shave that. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I, like, Graham put it to a poll and Courtney won. Um... <laughs> So Graham yeah, had to shave say, that shit off. <laughs> it was funny watching uh, Pagino posted his clip after the race had finished, where, of course, his, uh, his wife Haley and Norman, the boy, the boy, um, he came in with champagne, but, of course, he said afterwards that you can't really celebrate with champagne without destroying the wallpaper and the furniture. <laughs> <laughs> can't do that. He's a responsible man these days. I but love yeah, this man. It, it, it's... It's fun. It was like, like who had like? Wasn't it Alex Payne who had to come in on like with a like Kaiser had to come in from like with, like with a lap to go because he just about ran out of fuel. Yeah, bearing the lead that Kyle Kaiser for Yunko's Racing, the Giant Slayer himself was probably in a position to win this. Yeah, yeah, Kaiser was in position. Pelu was in position. Zach Veach had a really good run, led a couple of laps. Yeah, it was a ridiculous race, but ended up Simon Pagano winning. Fourteen Penske. What a surprise! I, I think we finally found the only medium where he's not perfect. Looking at the results sheet, don't know how, but Scott Dixon got disqualified. <laughs> yes, I think he got Beautiful. disqualified. I think there was an incident limit, and that crash actually tipped him over the incident limit. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, according according to Henry, he did he six had laps. A meet- he had a meatball and didn't come in. Ah, uh, that'd do it. <laughs> oh my! For the, for those of you who don't know, the meatball flag, the black and orange flag in IndyCar, uh, or for iRacing in general, um, come in and pit for repairs. Yeah, and usually have or to come else. in and pit within three laps. Yeah, come in and within three Scott laps or it. else. And Scott ignored it because Scott thinks he's above the rules. Because he's perfect. <laughs> So I love how typical this is that in the last two IndyCar uh, e-racing rounds, we've had back-to-back Penske 1-2s. Look, you pour in blood, sweat, and tears, and then you lose to Penske in video games. (laughs) One, two, and four for Penske. You're all shot. And since Dale Jr. was an IndyCar provisional, and who owns IndyCar now? Top four sweep, baby! (laughs) Okay. And not only that... Dale Earnhardt Jr., if we should show another podcast, Dale Jr. had Roger Penske on his own podcast mm. this week. That Very much looking forward to that. I'm just glad that someone like Dale Jr., who was forced into retirement because of multiple head injuries, can race again because of this. 
And while Robert Wickens did not do well in this round, he did finish top 10 in the previous Honda Indy Grand Prix of Alabama, finishing 8th as Scott McLaughlin took the win, driving with hand controls for the first time His ever. setup is sick. It's yeah. awesome. It is fantastic. I will say uh, it's great to see Junior get a good result when he has been yelling from the rooftops for years about this whole sim racing thing. Mm. Yeah, it's so weird that literally the most competitive people in iRacing IndyCar are two people who've never raced in the series before. (laughs) (laughs) Esports. The the first person that got publicly banned finished on the podium at Barber. Scott Speed all the shit has (laughs) to win. Oh my god. Yeah. IndyCar's events are the best of the bunch. Uh, as of time of recording, they'll go to the now disused Oval at Twin Ring Motegi. We miss you, Motegi. Yes. Oh, boy. And someone oh, dip. is making an appearance at Motegi. And he has pretty good hair. Magnificent hair. Uncle Helio is going to be here. 24 hours, man. <laughs> Hair Helio Force One, here. back at it. <laughs> Force One. And um, apparently Jennifer is trying to talk Danica Patrick into coming into this one as well. So that could be fun. Who doesn't know a bit of Danica? Oh, man. <laughs> Vic, <laughs> stop ruining it. I do. <clears throat> it's okay. Yeah. If the hair still ends up magnificent, it can be magnificent hair even if it's dyed. Like, I feel like booting Vic out of the Discord just, just for talking about the fact that you don't talk about Helio's hair riding secret. Yeah, and also my money's on Danica not showing up because she has no reason to. Lovely. Uh, and finally, got a e-racing series yeah. now. Yeah, they do. And what's the prize, King? Uh, guaranteed track time when Formula E returns. That's right. You. Sometime in 2021. That, that's right. Can we get? Can we get? Uh, can we get Jimmy Broadbent in the other <laughs> Porsche seat? That's right. You can struggle to finish 14th for Giat's Dragon. If you win and this they prize. have a very interesting yet short race format that really fits the particular style of Formula E. It's not battle royale. Yeah, it's not clear how many drivers will be in the races, but the format will be eliminator style. Last driver at the end of each lap is out of the race until there's ten cars left, and it'll be a single lap sprint to the finish. So is it going to be like that, that reverse Battle Royal that TNA had that one time? <laughs> It'll be like that knockout <laughs> mode in Need for Speed games of yesteryear. And yeah, oh, that's what I was thinking yes, of. They'll be using the official... I, they'll be u- using the official uh, Formula E DLC on R-Factor 2. Hell yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Before we get on to our watch party, um, do we have time to talk about the Cannonball record run that oh maybe we wasn't? We can- I don't know. Can we finish? Can we finish the discussion in an illegally fast time by cutting out a whole lot of what makes this the Cannonball run? The, look, look, we're not disqualifying this because of the current pandemic. We're just going to open up its own category, the Corona percentage category. Oh, my God. <laughs> Why not? Yes, it's the America any percent run without pandemics. Yes, it is. It is the biggest debate in the automotive enthusiast world at the moment. 
Should yeah, it the, count? The, cannon, the Cannonball Run world record was beaten this past week. I think by something like 30 plus minutes. Yes. Um, because... An average speed of 108 miles an hour. I mean, that's just... So that's uh, fucking ludicrous. Yeah. So the previous record set in 2019 was a time of 27 hours, 20, uh, 25 minutes, and that was set in a 2015 Mercedes-Benz uh, E-Class. Uh, that had it, you know, that roughly. Uh, they said they averaged 103 miles an hour, and they spent. 22 minutes completely stopped to refuel. Current record that was set last week was in a 2019 Audi A8. Uh, Audi A8. Uh, they set their time was 26 hours 38 minutes. Beat it by an Ooh. hour. Again. Beat it by almost an hour, and they averaged 106 miles an hour. 106 miles an hour on public roads. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> this is highly uh, illegal. Yeah. This is even a record that Dan Gurney highly. held. <laughs> yes, Dan Gurney set the uh, the initial record of the revival run. He Dan Gurney's record time in 1971, which was set in a Ferrari Daytona, was 35 hours, 54 minutes. <laughs> Here's an unknown team beating it in an Audi A8 by nearly 10 hours. Yeah. I was say, Mercedes were so dominant in 2015, they even dominated the cannonball run. (laughs) 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 But the problem is, though, is that I believe the cannonball run group are refusing to acknowledge this record due to the current pandemic. Okay, okay, fucking... On your high horses, number one. (laughs) This is, okay, fundamentally, this is really, really illegal. Yeah. Uh, We're trying to introduce morality into something that is fundamentally really illegal. No, no, no. We're totally okay with going at an average speed of over 105 miles an hour on open public roads for the sake of sporting integrity. But we draw the line at doing it in the middle of a global pandemic. (laughs) That's too far. <laughs> too far. <laughs> they said it was both taking advantage of a reduction in road users and law enforcement presence, which, okay, be that as it may, there may be less people on the road, but if you have to swerve and hit a ditch in a car that, by the way, is loaded with gasoline tanks, you're not walking away from that. Yeah, because they had two extra fuel cells in the car to, to save on from fuel stops. You're driving oh, Craig, 100 miles. You don't know how much these cars are normally modified. Go, We're talking go on. fuel tanks in the back. We're talking police scanner in the car. We're talking thermal camera in the car so you can see further down the road and see any hidden police officers. We're we're talking about laser radar jammers. We're, some we're, ta- we're talking about Night Rider, basically. <laughs> yeah. Even this, some this, attempts. I'll say, I'll say this, this is basically fucking Tron at this point. <laughs> Most attempts use spotter vehicles. People who drive, you know, a few miles down the head of the road from you to not only spot police officers, but also speed purposely to get pulled over so the police officer can't pull over the record car. <laughs> So they have a bunch of people out here driving ahead, literally taking one for the team. Yes. Yep. 
Also, fucking mental. Some attempts have included spotter aircraft. <laughs> a- 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 aircraft. Yes, aircraft. where you get a small propeller. Excuse me. Where you get a small, get a small plane. plane to spot vehicles from the air. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is ridiculous. Dre. Um, SB Nation had a podcast series that did an episode with Spencer Hall talking with Vin Wicky's Ed Bullion, who previously held the record at 28 hours and 50 minutes in 2013, talking about all the messed up shit that you have to do to be ready for a cannonball record run. And I have to find this podcast. I, I just shared and a link with them in chat. they recorded it recently. They recorded it during the pandemic, but before the run was attempted. And Bullion said that he, he felt that there was there wouldn't be enough time to organize a run that if you were gonna do a run right now you would have had to have been preparing to do it already <laughs> and yet here we are yet the world record take yeah the world record taken apart by an Audi A8 with two extra fuel tanks but now the official recognizes holders of the record um I'm not acknowledging it. Number Let one. Let the debate continue the internet. How official can they really be? Let's be honest they, with they, Fundament, they can't be official with something like this. Yeah. I, again, I use this in inverted commas here. You can't see it, but trust me, there's inverted commas that are being given out here because this is fucking crazy. Also um, worth noting, um, the Spa 24 Hours organizers are working on a new race date as soon as possible. And tomorrow, we're going to be having the IMSA iRacing Pro Series at Laguna Seca. Too many pro series. So many professionals. Running counter to dinner with racers Thursday night blunder, I see. So, like, recently (laughs) in an interview, Roger Penske admitted that iRacing was a big help for IndyCar's visibility. But he also warned, like, just... He, he warned that digital oversaturation is a thing. Which, of course, oh, it I is. We, I think we're getting to that point now, to be honest with you. You can only like, watch so many races at once. I don't have enough screens I liter- like, for all this racing. Honest, I literally only watch the IndyCar. <laughs> That's it. That's Maybe I, I Thursday to, uh, Night Blunder because it's entertaining as hell. <laughs> Yeah, I try to watch the sports car stuff, the IndyCar stuff, and... This is like when the UFC yeah. tried to expand in, like, 2011, 2012, when they went from doing 20 events a year to 50. Like, if you get to the point where people are picking and choosing which which events to watch, you've probably gone too far. It's like the NBA, when they've got so many games on at once that for a few of them, you have to put it on League Pass. So does this mean we're going to have a uh, private island of esports soon? For following the UFC model. Fuck me. Gentlemen, Tree, what's your race? You are the world champion! That was exciting. Uh, yeah, this is this is recording two thirty eight. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, we'll we'll figure out the numbers we'll, later. We'll call this. We'll call for the sake of simplicity. This is episode two thirty eight.
the week of August 15, 2020. Is this our version of forgetting what day of the week it is due to the quarantine? It's a day that ends in Y. If you work out every other day, that's four times a week. Oh, for fuck's sake. (laughs) (laughs) We can keep that for the the post-credit scene. (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, dear. No. Right. No, fellow listeners. The quarantine isn't getting to us. Not, not in the slightest. 